Will, I will leave this mic up here for you. That's a good sound. Can everybody hear me? Yeah? All right. Hey, good to see everybody again. Uh, I really love you guys. Um, again, it's, it's, it's rare that, that a guest gets to kind of out, out arrive their guestiness. And, and so uh, I don't feel like a guest anymore. I feel like maybe a cousin that lives out of the province. And uh, that's good. That's good, I think. So um, I'm, really bl- I'm really blessed to hear it, be here. It's, it's great when there's so many announcements about what's happening at church, right? Because, because church needs to be seven days a week. We need it to be seven days a week. We need church seven days a week. Some way, shape, or form, we need it. Okay, that's... That's what I hope to accomplish today. Not to convince you, but to remind us together. We need constant touches of God's word, God's spirit. Uh, I, I specifically enjoyed the, the thing about uh, Chicken Chef. As like the men were all like, hey, we get to go to Chicken Chef, this is awesome. And the women were like, we don't have to go to Chicken Chef, this is awesome. So... Like, way to just nail both groups at the same time. It's all about being inclusive these days. And so, so when you can bless both parties by either inviting or not inviting them, you're doing something right. Let's pray together. Let's come under God's spirit together. Heavenly Father, uh, this is your time. This morning has been your time. I thank you for the songs. I thank you for the words of the songs. I thank you for your spirit testifying to the truth of it. I thank you that every bit of this morning has been ordained and planned and cared for by you. And that this is another portion. God, we want to keep saying If these are not your words, if they are not helpful, and if they are not your spirit's intention for today, I I pray that you would strike them from uh, the sound. They wouldn't be picked up. They wouldn't be spoken. I'm happy to have spontaneous coughing if that is what is needed. Lord, because my words don't help anybody, and your words are life. They are truth, and they are the thing that keep us alive. And so we want that. We want all of that. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you again to minister um, boldly in our midst. Would you accomplish everything that you have for us this morning in spite of the humanity of your servants? Amen. All right. All right, I want to talk about our minds today. The power of our minds. Our minds are the most powerful thing we have. And it either works for us 
or works against us. Our whole reality comes into being through our minds. Do you know that an interpretation of a real life event can be so powerful, our interpretation can dictate the next 20 years of our life. It's not even a factual thing that we are causing to shape and mold our steps. It is our perception of that event. So we can get into a car crash. We can have somebody cut us off. We can even have a Facebook post affect us in such a way that our perceived wound of the event will steer us completely off track. If you don't agree, just look back at your life and see if that's true. A thought that takes form and that takes shape in our minds will affect everything if we let it. Everything. What's a trigger? We all know the word trigger. That was a kid's word for a while. Will, is it still a kid's word, being triggered by something? Yeah, he's 21, 20. You're in. You know the stuff, right? Triggered. I'm triggered. I'm being triggered, right? That was a word. A trigger is something in the present that affects us from something in the past. And it doesn't even have to be true. It goes back to our perceived reality of the event. And it can mess everything up in the present. Because I don't know if you know this, and I often don't know this, the only thing we can affect is the present. Anything in the past and anything in the future is worry and anxiety and fear. And we can't affect it. And so we shouldn't be worried about it. But I want to tell you, <laughs> that's not our reality. I love living in the past and in the future. And in the moment, we feel like that's the only thing we can influence. And so we're not present in the present. And we're caught up in things that have happened or haven't yet happened and we have no control. That's wasted time, wasted attention, wasted mental power. And here's how it works. There's this thing in, in the world now, so this is not what I'm preaching on, but I want to tell you the power of the mind. There is a movement called manifestation, okay? And that's not the manifestation we're used to in the church, okay? So we like the manifestations of the spirit, where he comes and there's tongues and there's healings and there's dancing and there's the gospel preached. Those manifestations are the truth. But the world is saying there's a mindset called manifesting where what you believe becomes your reality. So I believe it, I think it, I agree with it, I write it down, I put it up in my house everywhere, I write my goals to that, and what I believe becomes my future. That sounds a little bit like people trying to be God, 
but it's not totally wrong. Because the reality is, what we think affects our emotions. And what we think and how we feel affects our behavior. Who grew up thinking they were not as good as the next person? Whose parent was always ragging on them for something that wasn't their fault? Who was the youngest kid in the family that always got left out of things? Or was the baby of the family? Guess what? That thing, those things travel with you because it becomes part of your mindset. And so you live your life out of the reality that you believe. I'm messing up the whole thing with getting too close. Ooh. So, right, like, I'm going to stay on this side. Okay, boundary. Your mind is so important. Okay, the saying goes, idle hands are what? The devil's playground, which means make sure kids always have something to do, otherwise they're going to wreck the place, right? That's what it means, okay? But our minds are even more so the danger, our idle minds are, are really where the devil's playground ideas begin to start. And so... I want to talk all about our minds today. And this has been our problem from the very beginning of time. The very beginning. How did the serpent get Eve? All the way in Genesis 2. By challenging her theology on God. What she thinks about God. And she revealed what she thought about God was wrong. Because the devil said... Did God actually say, so he's checking back on what Eve believes about God's command to not eat the very only one tree in the garden she can't touch. And Eve's response was, never mind, we can't eat it, we can't even touch it. So she's now added perceptions onto God's command and made it something that it wasn't meant to be. This has always been our problem. This has always been our danger. The things that we allow our mind to think about is, is life. It's life. And it really is worth me going on and on and on about, not even getting to my scriptures yet. What I want to say is this is where the battle between our ears, this is where every battle begins. This is where sin begins. This is where offense begins. This is where deception begins. This is where laziness and sleepiness begins. It all begins in our minds. Before we act out anything, we've already thought it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be acting it out. And so where does the devil want to go to attack us? He wants to go right to the source. And if we're not careful... We become a remote control car for the devil's ideas if we're not careful. And it's back to this idleness thing. It's not enough to just simply not look at the bad stuff. 
That's not enough. We have to be constantly, constantly, constantly filling ourselves with the truth and the reality of who God is because all of the other influences around us want to do the complete opposite. Complete opposite. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn. Let's look at scripture, okay? Philippians 4, we're going to be in Philippians 4, we're going to be in Colossians 3, we're going to be in Psalm 3. You can go to any of those, but if you want just one, Philippians 4 will be good. And we're going to do a little poll, you know, because it's kind of payback for when last time I was here, you're like, hey, let's respond to the pastor right now. Let's give him, let's give him feedback while he's sitting there. So we're going to do a little poll where I'm going to need some hand raising. Okay? It's just, we're all the same. Philippians 4, 4. This is the goal. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. You know what? Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's stand. Okay, let's stand. All of us stand. Okay? Kids, you get to stand, and if you want to jump around or do some fancy cool moves while you're standing to get the wiggles out, you need to do that, all right? This is your chance to stand and not make a scene of yourselves and have your parents look at you with that, you're going to get it later, I. Okay? So I'm going to read the standard for our life, the thing that Paul, speaking the words of God, says, let this be your reputation in the world. Let this be what you see in the mirror when you look at yourself, okay? Here's what we're going to do. As long as you can say with a clear conscience, this is who I am. This is the norm in my life. I want you to keep standing as I keep reading. And we're going to see who's left at the end. And then depending on how offended I am from the last time, I'm going to ask that person to explain themselves. I'm just kidding. All right. Here we go. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Now everyone should be down. We're all the same. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Yes! That's the point. That's the aspiration. That's what the world really needs. It's just so challenging. So, it's so hard to win up here. Even if our actions are reasonable, even if we can grit our teeth, there are some people 
that can grit their teeth and keep smiling even when they're dying inside or the person they're dealing with is dying inside. Right? They just keep smiling through it. But God doesn't just work on the outside. He wants our hearts, which are part of our minds, it's the emotion centers. Right? I had a heart issue, and it didn't affect my emotions at all. Okay? They are in our minds. We need our minds to, to have real freedom from anxiety and peace, that our mindset would be reasonable, that our reputation would be reasonable. Oh, the value, the value for your workplace and your home for you to be known as the peacemaking, reasonable one. Just pack it in if that's your reputation. You're not going to get any further. That's about as sanctified as you're going to get. Through Jesus, through my relationship with him, my mind, my heart, and my actions are reasonable and peaceful. So much so that it doesn't just apply to me, but it applies to everything I touch. The same peacefulness that Jesus can declare over the storm reigns over us and over our people daily. This isn't a fantasy. This isn't something that we hope to attain to or only a select few of us hope to carry. This is a peace a patience, a self-controlled nature, a joy, a kindness, a goodness that is ours through the Holy Spirit and through us carrying the very mind of Jesus. Do you know what that 1 Corinthians 2 says? We have the very mind of Christ. That's a big deal. Well, the theology of that, that's a big deal. Right Through the power of the Holy Spirit and all that Jesus has accomplished by our little bits of faith that are a mustard seed, God says, yeah, yeah, I, I can give you my son's mind. Wow. Wow. And that's not just when things are going well. That's when all of the world is hoping to, to really close in on us. It's the traffic. It's the sickness. It's the job security. It's the money. It's the relationships. Everything we have going on in our life wants to cause us to fret and worry and to feel anxious, not to be present, not to trust in God, not to apply his mindset, but to worry and fear and check out. Because it's just so stinking hard. But that's not our story. That's not our reality. By our faith, we not only get the fruits of the Spirit that want to come and change our character in real time, 
is Jesus says, why don't you try my thinking? That's, that's incredible. Why don't you try my thinking? Not only that, but he says, this is how I'm expecting you to think. Jesus has an expectation that we would think this way. Because he told Paul to write it in Colossians. Colossians 3 this is, a, this is often a passage for baptism, but this is one of the most beautiful passages you're going to find. Colossians, if you're looking for a book to study, if you're looking for a book that's really practical, if, it, if you're looking for a book where it's like, I have a really hard time actually putting on the full armor of God. I have a hard time looking like Jesus with my own skin on. I have a hard time being different than the people that are around me. I have a hard time trusting my salvation. I think we can all find ourselves somewhere in there. Colossians wants to work against that. It says this, and it's titled, very fitting, put on the new self in chapter 3. And this is Paul's words for us. If then you have been raised with Christ... That's the baptism point, right? In baptism, we celebrate the death of ourselves and the resurrection of Jesus in us. And we become that new person. This is true even if you haven't been baptized, okay? It's true. Baptism is a reflection and a celebration of that. It's an outward expression but this is our reality. If we've said yes to Jesus, okay? So to everyone here, if you've said yes to Jesus, this is your reality. And if you have not said yes to Jesus, this can be your reality with a short, humbling prayer. If then you have been raised with Christ, if you have admitted, I can't do it on my own, I am a sinner, I need a savior. My life is unmanageable. I cannot be in charge of my own life. I'm getting it all wrong. I'm not healing, and the people around me aren't healing. I'm going to put my faith and my trust in Jesus. If you have been raised with Christ by faith, seek the things that are above. This is a cause and effect. If you've been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above. That's, that's the reaction. Been raised with Christ? Okay, so what do I do? How do I become a Christian? How do I, how do I live that out? I seek the things that are above. Right? The things that are of God. And there's, lots of op- there's more options than there's ever been. You know, there's actually good Christian music now. You guys know that? Like there's actually really high-end Christian music. There's like rap Christian music. There's death metal Christian music, which I wouldn't say is good Christian music, right? But, but the options have never been greater. You can go on your phone, which mine is over there, and you can access a million podcasts from knowledgeable, sturdy, reliable Christian teachers in a second. You can go on YouTube and listen to almost any sermon ever preached that's been recorded. 
some just by audio. Incredible. It's never been easier to seek the things that are above. It's never been easier. But we have to do it. That's our part of this. That's the thing that's up to us to do. God will give us his brain. God will give us his spirit. God will rework us from the inside out. And God desires that we would be above the storms around us. We would overcome those for ourselves and we would save people from them in the process. You can only save people if you're not drowning yourself. Okay? If you get in a boating accident and you're taking on water and you don't have a floating device and you haven't passed your level blue or green where you can do the front crawl, your first responsibility is not to see how many people you can pull out of the water. Your first responsibility is to try and not drown the person that's coming to pull you up. That's your first responsibility. And this is why our mindset is so important. If we're not aware, if we're idle, if we are lazy, if we are entitled to think the things we want to, I'm accusing myself there. Entitlement. I'm going to think what I want. And if a thought comes, I'm not even going to test it. I'm just going to think that it's true. How often do we just go down that lazy river where the current just takes us? Not checking. Not wondering. Not, not saying, do, do you resemble the truth that I know? The truth that I want to come out in my actions? Folks, I have lived this. And if you're not careful, you'll find your place way down river in a place you never intended to be. And you'll wonder, how did I get there? But we don't want to only be in charge of how we travel. We want to be able to help the people around us. Right? So we need to be sturdy in our thinking so we can even attempt to do something good for the person around us. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The object is to start living the reality that is ours for eternity. It's the only one that's going to last. The things of God, the mindsets of God, the ways of Him, the things that are eternal, the things that are of heaven, the things that fit the new reality in you, in Jesus. When Jesus puts His seed in you, when you say yes to Him by faith, there is an eternal bit of heaven 
growing inside of you. And it's our job, it's our responsibility to nurture that with the help of God to the very best of our ability until we die. And that's what God is looking at. What are you doing with the deposit that I've put in you? How are you fanning into flame through your behavior, your mindsets, the company you keep, the people you look up to? How are you fanning that into flame? How desperate are you for my light and my heat to be all the more prominent in your being? That will guide you and save you and protect you from the world looking to come against all of that. There's a beautiful picture in song. I want to say this again because it's worth saying. The Psalms are present to teach us as a godly man and woman how to contend with God and with the gross things around us. The Psalms are meant to empower our prayers and teach us the right way to suffer and the right way to struggle, the right way to complain, and the right way to deal with life's troubles that come and want to hurt our mentality. This is just perfect. You know, there's something, in the Psalms, there's something beautiful for everything that you want to say. Because David had a hard life. It's hard being a king. And when he writes Psalm 3, his son is planning a coup against him. His vain son who wants to be king even while his dad is alive. Right? That sucks. That really sucks. Okay? Here's what he says in Psalm 3. Find yourself in this. Where do we get stuck? Oh, Lord, how many are my foes? We don't often say foe anymore. We say enemies, people who are against us, people that trigger me, people I unfriend or don't follow anymore. Foes is not really, but, but it's somebody that's looking to go against what we want. In David's time, it was a real struggle. Oh, Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. He means his son and his son's army in this case. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. There, that's where we get stuck. Our circumstances and the opinions of the people around us are telling us what our reality is. This is a bleak situation for you, my friend. I don't know how you're going to get out of this. It looks pretty bad. Your son's got a big army. He's got really cool hair. And, he, and he's got the power of the people. He's popular. He's new. He's edgy. You're old. You're all used up. You're played out. You had that whole Bathsheba thing. People remember that. People remember what you did. What would have been thrown in David's face there? What gets thrown in our face? 
What are the, th- the thoughts, the emotions, the mindsets we are tempted to adopt for ourselves? Because in our circumstances, the temptation for harmful thoughts is always the devil's first objective. And he wants us to cave and crumble and believe the very worst. David doesn't do that. He always had good mental strength. If you look at the Psalms, this is, this is how they always went. Here's my circumstance. Here's how I'm tempted to feel. But no, no. I'm going to reflect on what I know is true. And I'm going to move forward in that truth. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. My glory and the lifter of my head. He's not speaking about his situation here. His his situation is not reflecting that. I will not be... Oh, sorry. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. His actions are representing the better truth that God has filled him with. Right? It doesn't say, I tossed and turned through anxiety, or I spent eight hours on my phone to distract myself. His phone would have been like a, a rock with little painted buttons on it. But if it wasn't a phone, it was, what's that? Yeah, a tablet. Yeah, the first tablets. People have never changed, so there was always those little distractions. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. This is how God wants us to contend with our situations. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on all your people. This is what God has for us. He doesn't want us to lie down to anxiety, to lie down to fear, to live in the past or present, or future, to have our present wrecked and destroyed by the things that have happened before or we're worried about coming after. But it starts with us seeking the things of God. If we're not seeking the things of God, then we're idle and we're waiting to find some other thing to influence us. Right? There's a popular song that says we're either sowing to the spirit or we're sowing to the flesh. It's one or another all the time. So when we want to persevere, we want to overcome in the hard times, and the messages are always around us. Guys, social media, high school, man, they're constantly wanting to give us destructive thoughts and thoughts that aren't true. We need to be rooted in the things that are truth. God's word, God's spirit. God's verses, the things that we sing, 
but it's our responsibility to be seeped in that stuff. If we don't, we're not going to stand in that hard day. And that day is coming when people go into the vans today and they say, what's for lunch in a whiny fashion? Right? So in the next 10 minutes. Okay? It's coming. Or it's coming at work. Our perseverance starts now in our minds. So that we can be successful. We can be victorious when those thoughts want to come in and remind us that something that is just perceived is the truth that we need to live in. It's going to change anything. So, Will, why don't you come? Uh, the worship team can come up, and Will is going to give us some final thoughts. Did you want the Bible? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, just give me one second. I always sucked at sword drills, so you guys have to, you guys really got to forgive me. Philippians, there we are. Awesome. Sorry about that. All right. Uh, yes, I want to, I want to reiterate what Matt was saying. Um, Christ really needs to renew our thoughts. Um, I, I go to a university. I go to Prov, um, where it's supposed to be a Christian university, but a lot of people's thoughts have not been renewed, and they come in with this worldview that the world gives them. Um, I was in a group with like five different people. Um, I think it was like three girls and two guys. Um, and we're supposed to do like a theology thing and just have a discussion and talk about it and then write out how we all agree. Um, and like... It was the simplest topics, um, like abortion would come up, and everyone would be like, oh, that, that's all good. You could do that and be a Christian. And I'm, of course, uh, <laughs> uh, being a Christian my whole life and um, having the prayer and um, really being led by a church, I was like, what are you talking about? No, no, and I started to argue. Um, and then it would go on to the next issue and the next issue and the next issue. And it was always me disagreeing with these five people. And, which is weird because I'm, I'm not, well, I'm a very disagreeable person, but not, it, like, I thought it was all, like, very basic stuff. Like, but if Christ isn't really in, in your belief, like, if he's not renewing your thoughts, then you can just take whatever you want to think and then just say, oh, Christ also agrees with this. And we see this all the time in our world today, right? Um, if you watch politics, which I'm really sorry if you do, because you're going to be depressed all the time. But I, I watch prime ministers and presidents always talk about how, or say they're from a Christian background, and then talk about stuff that no Christian would ever talk about, no Christian would ever think about, no Christian would ever want or desire. And it's so sad to me, like, that these people can say they're Christians and not want to live it at all. And we... And I'm not giving them an excuse because we do the same thing, don't we? Uh, I know I play on a college basketball team, and you, 
you know, the words that come to my mouth when I'm playing basketball aren't always what God wants me to say, right? My attitude isn't always what God wants me to display, right? If God's not renewing my thoughts, how, how in the world am I supposed to glorify him with my life? Which is my ultimate call. My ultimate call is to glorify God with everything I do in my life. Um, but Philippians 4.8 um, actually commands us on how to think and how to do these things. And it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Um, and I want to just quickly break down each one of these. Just very quickly, I'm sorry. I know you guys all want to get home. Um, but, so, so here it is. So whatever is true. As Christians, we're supposed to be people who believe in the truth. And we have a truth, right? We know the truth. Um, I, was t I was listening to the psychologist once, and he wasn't a Christian, and he's like, the Bible is the most true book of all time. And he's not even a Christian. He's like, but it's one of the most true books of all time. And it makes no sense to me. But, so, the real thing is like, why aren't you a Christian then? But, yeah, uh, as Christians, we have the truth. Why do we keep living like we're afraid of the truth, right? Um, whatever is honorable. We have to talk about things that are honorable, right? Um, whatever is just. We, we got to talk about justice. We have to live to be just. Whatever is pure. And th this is a big one. Like, if you're not thinking about pure things and you're thinking about sin, if you desire sin, we actually have to have God come and renew our desires so that we want to desire good things. Uh, that's called sanctification, being made holy as Christ is holy. And that's what ha needs to happen to our thoughts. We need to start thinking about what is holy. We, st we have to start wanting to be holy um, and not be in sin. Uh, whatever is lovely. Um, I actually <laughs> didn't know what lovely really meant. Uh, so I looked it up, and it was beautiful. And it's so weird. It, in our world today, we have this really distorted sense of what is beautiful. So uh, if you look at the medievals, they have like all these paintings of people and because uh, people were the image of God, so they were like, oh, that's beautiful. But then you get into, like, our art today, and it's like, I saw this art piece, and it was like a golden toilet. And it was like, America. And I was like, that's not beautiful. That's not building up. That's not, like, what, what is beautiful about that? And that's art. Art is, like, the whole point of art is to complement what is beautiful. Um, and as Christians, we have what is beautiful. We know what's beautiful. It's Christ. It's the Bible, right? Yeah, I don't know. That makes no sense to me. Um, whatever is commendable, uh, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What's worthy of praise? What's worthy of praise? What do, what, what do these guys do here every Sunday, I assume? Right? Praise God. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hand it over to the team. I'll shut up now. I know you guys want to go home, so let's see you. Well. <clears throat>